Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Just over an hour to go before that closing bell on this Friday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. It is Jobs Day. Stocks pushing higher in afternoon trading. The dollar and treasuries fluctuating as investors assess a robust jobs report. S&P 500 index up 5 to 23.94. That is a gain of 2 tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials up 23 to 20,973, up one tenth of 1%. NASDAQ up 11 to 6,086, a gain there of two tenths of 1%. The tenure up 132nd, the yield 2.35%. Gold unchanged at 12.28 the ounce. Crude oil pushing higher. West Texas Intermediate Crude rebounding by 1.6%, back above $46 a barrel, 46.27 right now on WTI. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, got it. Charlie Pellet with a Bloomberg Business News Flash. Just checking the clock here. It's 11.48 in the Bay Area and 2.48 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Ramesh Panuru, a columnist for Bloomberg View. According to one theory, the debate between nationalism and globalism has become the central division in American politics. Arguments about trade and immigration have supposedly replaced the stale debate between big government and small government. I'm skeptical. In polls, only 8% of Americans say immigration is the country's most important problem. Not even 1% bring up trade. Nor are trade and immigration central to the country's economic challenges. There's a reasonable case that low-skilled immigration has pulled down the wages of high school dropouts, but there's no case that it has harmed the livelihoods of the vast majority of Americans. And even the most alarming studies of trade show that most job losses in manufacturing have nothing to do with it. And a lot of our pressing political debates have little to do with nationalism. There's no nationalist prescription for health policy or tax reform. Nationalism can be part of conservatism, but it can't be the whole of it. The debate over nationalism is an important one. It isn't going to swallow up all of American politics. I'm Ramesh Panuru. For more view, please go to BloombergView.com. Review Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time, also at 5.48 a.m., 8.48 a.m., and 11.48 a.m. Wall Street time, right here on Bloomberg Radio. Time to wake up and check the clock. Punch it. I go to work. Seems like everyone's going to work. Uh, with with the jobs numbers coming to report, the... Uh, the uh, uh, People, part-time workers who are looking for jobs, keeping their jobs. Uh, the numbers across the board look really strong until this morning's earnings report. I wonder what Lindsay Pieggs thinks. She's the chief economist at Stiefel Financial. Also with us, Jim Lowell from the chief investment officer and advisor investment, investments. Lindsay, let me start with you. Uh, these numbers really did go a long way towards saying that the Fed was right when they said the most recent numbers are transitory and that just wait, we'll, things are going to get better. Well, it certainly was a, a solid report this morning, uh, bucking the trend uh, against that weakness that we saw in March. But there were still some underlying themes that carried forward into the start of the second quarter that remain uh, somewhat worrisome. We continue to see very lackluster hiring on the construction front, on the manufacturing front. Retail, while it did improve from the lows that we saw in March, was still very modest at best. Uh, really, the, the vast majority of the growth came from two isolated sectors, education and healthcare, and hospitality and leisure. So in order to build up my confidence 
that this employment report is, in fact, indicative of strength that can continue to be carried forward into the remaining months of the year, I would have liked to have seen broader-based improvement, but still a step in the right direction from where we were in March. Hey, Jim Lowe, let me bring you in. You watch the financial markets. Uh, your chief investment officer of advisor investments. You guys have about three point two billion in assets under management. So, you, when you're listening, you know we, we get the headline numbers, we react. But when you get someone like Lindsay who gets to really kind of go through the data, uh, parse out what it all means, um, when you hear her speak, does it make you think a little bit more about what this might mean for the financial markets and for stocks and the outlook? Well, of course, whenever I hear Lindsay speak, I listen, and I think she's right. There are things to be, uh, you know, cautious about, if not outright concerned about, in terms of the, the current pace of job growth, especially, as she noted, in the retail sector, which has led to Challenger Gray and, and Christmas layoff announcements um, every month so far this year. But the overall trend uh, continues to be one of slow growth, not no growth. And that is a trend that we've been able to capitalize on significantly well as disciplined long-term investors over uh, not just uh, the most recent quarter, but really over the last uh, seven-plus seven years. And we don't see that uh, turning a corner towards um, consistent deceleration, uh, and we don't think that the Fed sees that either, although if the fundamentals do begin to present that case, we certainly would be cognizant and active agents uh, regarding it. But what we do think is that right about now, um, after seven and a half years of growth and, and relatively good employment trends, uh, we may be at or near full employment. And consumers may, for example, be suffering sort of a luxury problem. Um, you know, they've already bought one new car, maybe two new cars over the last uh, two to three years. So in car sales, for example, we're seeing a a slight slowdown, still good numbers, but off-peak. And we suspect that we will see other areas of the consumer-driven economy basically uh, level off, at least in the interim, while hopefully a rise in wages uh, ensues and also CapEx spending, uh, which we really have yet to see en masse across the sector. And, you know, uh, to be clear, I mean, Lindsay, the the thing that, you know, digging into the report that really jumped out at me was the, the... the statistic of those, quote, facing involuntary part-time employment, in other words, people who can't get a full-time job and want one, declined to 5.27 million, uh, which is below the long-term average of 5.4 million. It starts to suggest that people who want full-time work aren't being forced to flip burgers right now. Well, we're starting to see more positive trends, as you mentioned, involuntary part-time labor, uh, but we're still seeing a heavy reliance on it. So, again, steps in the right direction, but still further improvement needed. Also, temporary jobs, individuals that are only finding temporary employment but would prefer full-time employment. Uh, Low-wage workers, still a very heavy reliance on these sectors. So there still are a, a number of factors that we need to see improvement on, but we are continuing to see uh, moderate conditions. The problem is, after seven-plus years of moderate conditions, I wonder if there's enough momentum in the economy to improve from here or if this moderate is really as good as it gets, putting pressure on the Fed to get at least some tools back into their tool belt during this at least still moderate phase before we begin to wane from here. So it's a little bit of a catch-22 for the Fed. They would have liked to have seen strong, outright indicators that they could continue 
with a removal of accommodation, but instead we're really parsing through the details, trying to find some of those green shoots to justify a further increase in rates. Lindsay, you know, one of our guests earlier in the week talked about the Atlanta Fed GDP now forecast. It's looking for 4.2% in the second quarter. Do you see any way that we can get to that? That is pretty optimistic. And the one nice thing about the Atlanta uh, GDP Now forecast is it's consistently revised. And so we really have to look for that to show an extreme amount of volatility as the numbers begin to come in in the second quarter. Remember, we're at the very beginning. So we're just getting a, a very early glimpse of what growth is going to look like in the coming three months. And so uh, right now we're looking for more around 2.5%, so about half of what the Atlanta Fed is forecasting. But, again, a lot of revisions to be expected over the coming weeks and months. Now, certainly the service industry uh, did post a, a more positive uh, than expected increase right. earlier this week, but manufacturing continues to be hit by a strong U.S. dollar and very moderate global conditions. And, of course, the consumer. Remember, we're a consumer-based economy, and the consumer continues to face headwinds, which makes it very difficult to reach that elevated level of 4% top-line GDP. Yes, my husband reminds me. I don't have to be so much a part of that consumer economy. <laughs> hey, Jim Lowell, we got 10 seconds here. That French election, that's going to be important for the uh, financial markets. Oh, no question about it. If uh, Macron wins, which is priced in, I still think we could see some gains tagged on to Monday's activity. If he loses, um, it will be a bond-buying bonanza. Jim Lowell over at Advisor Investments and Lindsay Piegza at Stiefel Financial. Thank you both. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets. Carol Master, Corey Johnson. We are Bloomberg Radio.